I want to spend a little time this morning um, in a story that we have uh, all heard. If we've been raised in church, we've heard the story of, of David and Goliath since Sunday school. If you're a, um, a mom or dad or grandma or grandpa that buys VeggieTales for your kids, you've heard the story of Dave and the Giant Pickle. And um, uh, this story, we've, we've heard this story. Many of you can be able to tell this story better than I. But I want to spend a little time in this story today and tell you about something that I saw in this story about four years ago that I've never seen before. I find the Bible to be a living and breathing document and every single time I read it, it seems like I find something or see something that I had not seen before. And this part of the story had just never hit me. And when I finally recognized this, it was just like a two-by-four that smacked me across the face and said, how could I have missed this? You know, you know the story. You know David was the, the youngest of Jesse's eight sons, and, and some of the sons were, were off to war. And this little... Uh, I don't know, 12, 13, 15. I have, we have no clue how old he was, but he was the youngest. He, was, he stayed back, and his father one day said, hey, take some food and rations up to the front lines and give them to your brothers. And so David obediently does that, and he goes to the front lines, and he gives that food out, and he arrives at the front line at the very same time that this giant, the Bible says nine foot tall, that is called the Goliath, uh, was, was breathing out um, a challenge to the Israelite army, and he was defying the God of Israel. And we think that's really, really weird. Um, but in those times, the ancients, in some of the ancient writings we can be able to find, it was quite common. It was quite common for one soldier and another soldier from competing armies to battle it out, and whoever won that battle, that would be the whole deal. And that wouldn't be maybe a bad way to be able to do it now. We'd save a whole lot of lives and, and money and sweat and tears to do that. But that's what was going on. That's what was going on. And Goliath was, was saying, I challenge you, and if, if one of your guys beats me, we'll be your servants. And if I beat your all, you all, you all will be our servants. And so that was the challenge as well as he was defying the Lord God Almighty and making fun of, of, of Yahweh. And so David arrived just as this was happening, and this little teenager was indignant. He says, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine deny the armies of the living God? There is nothing, no more put down than a little, that an Israelite could have called anyone else than an uncircumcised something. That was the ultimate slam. We don't understand that, and that's fine. But it was the ultimate slam, this uncircumcised Philistine. And so David went to King Saul and says, I'll go fight him. And King Saul said, ah, you're just a little kid. He's been, a, he, he's been fighting man for many years. You, you can't do anything with him. David says, I sure can. And, and Saul says, well, Lord be with you. And here, take my armor with you and wear my armor. And Saul was the tallest man of all Israel, six foot four. And we don't know how tall David was, but he says, I can't wear this. I got to go in my own stuff. That's a whole sermon in itself right there. But he goes and gets five smooth stones, gets his slingshot. What he would have, have used as, as he was a shepherd. And with one shot, you know the story, and, and Goliath falls. And the story continues, and all the Philistines freak out and run, and all the Israelites uh, chase them. But then you get to the very end of 1 Samuel chapter 17. An amazing thing is said by King Saul, who had just witnessed one of the greatest military upsets in the history of the world. 
And King Saul, after just witnessing the whole David and Goliath incident, turns to his four-star general here, Abner, the commander of his army, turns to Abner and says this. Who is that man's father? Who is that man's dad? Now, when I first saw that, Saul did not extol the virtues of this brave teenager. He did not extol the virtues of his skill with a slingshot. He did not say, what courage. David is unbelievable courage in that. He turned to Abner and said, I want to know who that man's daddy is. Whose son is that? Wow. Saul knew, as imperfect as Saul was, Saul knew the importance of the influence that dads can have. Something that seems to be lost in our society in the last 30 or 40 years. As you watch modern TV shows and, and, and just observe modern culture, it seems like that dads are expendable. And many dads on TV shows are buffoons. They laugh at them, sitting, laying on the couch and eating their Doritos. But the ancients understood this, the incredible influence that dads can have, and that's why Saul says something like, I've got to know who that man's dad is. I've got to know who his father is. I guess I'm reading between the lines here a little bit, but I wonder in Saul's mind, I, I have to know who taught him that. Who instilled that courage? Who instilled that confidence in that little boy? Got some scripture up here for you from... 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is when David said to Saul that I can go out and fight him. And Saul said, no, no, you can't. You're just a boy. David's reply was, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Do you hear the confidence? that this little teenager had. I've dealt with lions. I've dealt with bears. When they turned on me, I struck, grabbed them by the hair, I seized them, and I killed them. The same Lord that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me against this uncircumcised Philistine. The confidence that he has in that, his ability and God's ability to be with him. Who instilled that confidence in David? You're not born with that type of confidence. Who instilled that? And the king, Saul, seemed to think it, this may have been his daddy, Jesse, because he wanted to know. 
He wanted to know who his father was. Dads and moms, one of our responsibilities as parents, uh, amid the myriad of responsibilities that we have that can be overwhelming at times, is to be able to instill confidence, confidence in our children. Confidence in our children. I learned something when I was a basketball coach. For 14 years, I was a college and high school basketball coach. And I learned something about confidence. Confidence doesn't happen in locker room pep talks. Confidence doesn't happen because I pat somebody on the back and says, I, I have confidence in you. I know you can do it. Confidence doesn't happen because I give them the power of positive thinking to be able to read. Confidence comes from the memory of your past successes. Now hear that again. Confidence comes from the memory of your past successes. And that's what David basically said right here. He says, I fought the lion, I fought the bear, and the God that delivered me from the lion and from the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. He has memories of past successes. You can build your child up all you want. You can help your child's self-esteem. That's a great thing. You can pat your child on the back and say, I believe in you, son. I believe in you, daughter. All those are wonderful things. But unless that child has some memory of past successes, they will not have that confidence inside of them. So the question for me and the question for you moms and dads is what do we do to be able to put our children in a position where they can be successful so they can be able to have memories of past successes. And memories of past successes equals confidence. And I'm not up here to tell you, dads, how you do that in the culture of your own family. All of our families are different, and you have to decide that on your, on your own. But how is it you set your child up in situations where your child can be successful? And the memory of those successes will go a ways to make them a confident person. Of course, we all fail, and all of your children are going to fail at things. And, and, and it's important that once you fail, to pick yourself back up. And that's an unbelievably important lesson to be able to learn. As John Maxwell says, says we must fail forward. Every failure has to be a step forward from us, for us. But the question before us this morning is, how can I set my boys up to have memories of successes in their life so they will be a confident person? Yes, confident of their own abilities, but also confident of the Lord God Almighty who's with them and will empower them and help them. I've told some of you, I've got I've, Levi and Christopher are two different kids. Christopher's eight they're both special needs kids. Christopher's special needs at the low end of the spectrum and Levi's special needs at the high end of the spectrum. Okay? Christopher struggles to stay on grade level. We had to, we had to debate with his teachers and, his, and the principal last year because we wanted to retain him and, and for him to repeat first grade. We did not feel like he was ready to go. 
We did not feel he had the confidence to step up and do second-grade work. Oh, yes, they could pass him on like they wanted to and for him to stay in the resource room and get additional help in reading and math and have to, the embarrassment of coming out of the class and to be able to do all that. But we wanted to buy him a year, give him the gift of a year, let him grow up a little bit and see if it would increase his confidence and he would be more confident as he steps into second grade as he now will this year. And we didn't know, we didn't have any false illusion that repeating the first grade was going to take, take his learning difficulties away. No, absolutely not. But it was simply going to give him some more confidence. He was now will always be one of the oldest boys in his class. And I hope that will help him with a little confidence that he needs. We're trying to do what's humanly possible to set our son up for success. In the athletic spectrum, neither one of our boys at the age of eight and age of six are showing any special athletic giftedness, okay? And, and, uh, but they want to play soccer, so we put them in upward soccer. And why do we put them in upward soccer? N- not just because it's a Christian thing, but because the, the, the level of competition is less. And they will be able to be more successful in that level of competition at upward than they would be if we stuck them at the Y in Springboro or something like that. And if we stuck them at the Y and they would have got humiliated and, and it would have been a bummer of experience for them, they may have lost desire for soccer. And who knows, maybe three or four years, they will develop some giftedness in that area. But if we can give them good experiences now, maybe we'll have the confidence to stay after that. Confidence is a memory of your past success. David says, I remember when I took on the lion. And I remember when I took on the bear. And the same God that delivered me from all of that is going to deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. How do we moms and dads instill confidence, some memory of their past successes, put them in situations where they can be successful, but it's also being sure that you disciple them and instill faith in them so that child will be able to know that whatever giant they face in their life, that God is with them. That God is with them. We've got some more scripture up here. All right, David is facing the giant. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Wow. What a faith-filled statement for a young kid to make. Now, let me tell you something you already know. He didn't come out of the womb with that kind of faith. That faith had to be nurtured. That faith had to be instilled. He had to be discipled. He had, there, there were things that had to be modeled for him. There were stories that had to be told for him. And I don't know what Jesse did. But maybe Jesse told him the stories of the Lord God Almighty who who freed our our ancestors from Egyptian bondage and told him those stories on how God protected them all through the 40 years of wandering in in the desert, in the wilderness. 
I, we don't know. We have no clue what Daddy Jesse did to instill that faith. But I know one thing that I know that I know that I know. That faith does not come natural. That faith must be intentionally passed on. Being able to do everything humanly possible to pass on that faith. All the time knowing that you have the grace of God helping you through all of that. So the question for me as a dad and the question for you all as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, what are we intentionally doing to pass on that faith? A couple of weeks ago, it was, we were having a bad storm and Christopher doesn't sleep very heavy and I was the way I don't sleep very heavy, so I, I heard it and I knew sooner or later I was going to get the call from the bedroom. He goes, Daddy, oh, Daddy. So I went into his room and got the cover above his head. And I thought it was fascinating, first thing he said. I went and said, I said, what is it, Christopher? And he didn't say, Daddy, I'm scared. He pulled the covers down and says, Daddy, would you pray that I won't be scared anymore? I'm not patting myself on the back, and I'm not patting Sue on the back. I'm just saying that's the way we've trained him. He doesn't come by that naturally. We have instilled that in him through day upon day upon day upon week upon month of Christian living in front of him and nightly Bible story after Bible story after Bible story after Bible story hoping something would rub off. Christopher came up to me a couple of months ago and with big watermelon tears in his eyes and said, Dad, they're making fun of me at school because I pray before my meals. And I said, well, I said, let's pray. And let's ask God to continue to give the courage to pray, but also that he would make those kids stop making fun of you. And a few weeks later, I said, how's it going at, at lunchtime? He goes, they're not making fun of me. I said, remember we prayed about that? And he goes, yeah. What do we intentionally do, dads and moms and grandfathers and grandmas, to instill faith? So when our children will come up against the inevitable giants, they'll be able to know that the Lord God Almighty is there with them. And the Lord God Almighty has helped them in this situation, has helped them in this situation, has helped them in this situation, and they have self-confidence to tackle this giant because of the memory of those past successes of where God has come through for them. Saul turns to Abner and says, Who's that man's dad? Let's pray. Just in this moment of quietness, if you feel like God has nudged you on some issue related to this or maybe even not related to this, here's your opportunity to talk to the Father about this right now where you're sitting.
Father, help us to do everything humanly possible that we can do to intentionally pass on the faith. Help us do everything that we can humanly do to intentionally disciple our children. All the time knowing that you're right there with us and you're helping us and you're giving us ideas and you're granting us favor and blessing. And, and may, our, may our children catch it. And may they pass it on. And there can be a whole generations in our family of Christians. And it won't have to stop with us. It just gets passed on. And may we understand when we're discipling our children, we're also discipling our great, 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 great grandchildren. Give us grace in all of that. Thank you for fathers. Thank you for fathers. In Jesus' name, amen.